This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the Oak Road Hatter podcast. I'm Billy Mully. Today, joined by Ollie Kay and Steve Moore. It's fine Thursday morning. How are we both getting on? E-I-E-I-E-I-O, up to the playoff we go. It doesn't really work that well, does it? Um, <laughs> no, it doesn't. How about you, Steve? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Yeah, delighted. Look, we're back in them. I, now I did an interview around our time of the World Cup break with some students at Barnfield College, and I was saying that we might have to beware the post Jones era. We might have a few more bumps in the road, but my God, have we been proven wrong? <laughs> As it's been well documented and, and spoken about, Luton have seemingly hit another gear under Rob Edwards. It's been excellent to watch. Um, yesterday, of course, wasn't uh, the best of results, but again, we've seen a lot of positives from it. We'll go on to that, of course, but Luton Town officially cannot finish any lower than sixth. And there's three games still to go. So life for us Luton fans is very good at the moment. Today, we're going to look back at results against Rotherham and Reading. We've also got three polls for you. And we're going to end up with a Middlesbrough preview. On to Rotherham first, a 2-0 win. Very routine, I think it has to has to be said. Goals from Colton Morris and Corley Woodrow is what you want from an away day. Both your strikers scoring. And just starting from, I guess, the general thoughts after the game. Me, personally, I don't remember too many, too many games where we've been so comfortable. Um course there's been a lot of comfortable victories this season but that seemed to top my list when watching it back we were you know for, in control from 
very early on and, and deservedly took all three points against a team who had been picking up positive results. Yeah, well, we're with Rotherham, we we said on the preview show they they can play. They're they're actually a decent footballing side. We didn't give them a sniff. Looking at the, the stats, there they they had four shots, none on target. Um, whereas we had fifteen shots, five on target. But the momentum was heavily with us for the entire game. It was it was a delight to watch. Um, you know, unfortunately, I couldn't be there because I, I don't really do away days anymore. But fantastic. Another goal for Carlton Morris. And he's flying. He really is flying. 100%. Yeah. What do you make of it, Steve? I'd agree, certainly. I, I think it typifies what we've been doing this season. I think... I had another podcast that talks about the Football League. They mentioned how a lot of people in League fans of League Two clubs don't see why Leighton Orient are 10 points clear. But I think we're a very similar side to them in the sense that we don't blow teams away like, say, Middlesbrough can do. But we're A, very, very consistent. And B, our, with the exception of the Watford game, our, our base level performance is comfortably better than a lot of teams. So it doesn't look exceptional a lot of the time, but it looks very, very comfortable. You look at what Rotherham have been doing of late, particularly since the end of the January window, when Matt Taylor's been able to add his add a couple of players like Tariq Fosso to what was already there as a under Paul Warren. And they've been a really good side of late, and they haven't looked it. And so many sides that we played against have looked really poor against us. And I think that's got a lot more to do with us than it has to do with the teams we're playing on a lot of occasions. Although one very recent team, we might put as the exception to that list. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree point. there. Go on, Billy. It's an interesting point you make there, Steve, because a lot of the time after the game, you, you look at social media and, and you do see fans of opposing teams really frustrated with their level of performance. It's not often where the level of performance is, is praised. And I think, as you say, that's a lot more to do with what we, we do as a team, how we work, how we sort of destroy teams with our pressing and, and ensuring that they you know, don't have it easy. And that, that's been the same at home and away. It's um, yeah, really impressive that we've been able to you know, really impose ourselves away from home this season. And we've spoken about that away record and how good it has been. But but to be able to press as high and, and as intelligently as we do away from home has, has been been very, very important. And yeah, as you say, I think that it's been a, a massive part as to why we've been so successful. Yeah, the, the setup throughout the team, it's so disciplined and a quote that I quite like. It's um, Isaac Newton, although to paraphrase, um, he got where he is by standing on the shoulder of giants. And I feel that's where, that that's where Rob Edwards has taken us really. He, he's built on the good work of Nathan Jones, the, the tactical discipline, the, um, you know, the, the football wasn't the sexiest, but he he's, built something and him, Richie Carl and Paul Trollope have come in. They've given us a, a, a style, an out-of-possession style 
Um, and you can see the discipline in how we set up on the pitch. It's it's wonderful to see. And I believe it was uh, Luke Gregory as well who, who who worked for Brentford and recently went to uh, announce he's going to Luton Town. He mentioned his Brentford colleagues said about Luton last season. Um, Luton Town are considered the best team without the ball in the championship. And I feel we've probably improved on that slightly more now. Yeah. Definitely, definitely see that, um, as you say, the structure that's in place. Uh, but it's also on the ball that, that's been very, very impressive since Rob Edwards has come in. And, and in that game particularly, um, Corley Woodrow came in, obviously scored. But what impressed me most about his performance was his link up with um, Alan Campbell. Alan Campbell, we know, likes to get forward. Yeah, he's, he's a very good anticipator of the ball and those two combined really, really well to, to get us up the pitch and Woodrow dropping a bit deeper, allowing Campbell to go that little bit more forward. Um, yeah, it was a, a good showing from, from them too. Uh, good combination play. Uh, let's talk about the goals. Colter Morris on the score sheet for what was number 18. Uh, what we've seen with Colter Morris this season is not just the players come in and score goals. He's, he's given us so, so much more. But within the goals he scored, there's such a variety to them. And this was another example. He cuts in use his left foot, lofted into the goal. He's just a very, very good striker. And I know it becomes repetitive when when we, we speak about the performances of individuals this season because, you know, Colton Morris has come in and had a fantastic com- campaign, but we still have to praise every little thing he does because it, it's been magnificent. Certainly. I, I mean, I've liked Colton Morris for a very long time. I, I remember him being exceptional for Shrewsbury, for Paul Hurst Shrewsbury, when they almost got promoted to the championship, I think he's playing on the left of a front three. He was on loan from Norwich at the time. And you see all those attributes that allowed to play at that stage on the left-hand side of a front three, certainly for a very direct team, which Paul Hurst were. And he's just progressed on and on and on. He's an absolutely terrifically all-rounded centre-forward. There's no part of his game I can really think of that's particularly specifically better than the others. He's just completely all-rounded. His finishing's terrific. His hold-up play's good. He's good in the air. His movement's good. There's no... It's a bit like the team as a whole in the sense that he's not amazing. And we're talking Premier League level now if you talk about players that are amazing, for, for, for attributes rather that are amazing. He's not got really a standout attribute. There's just the baseline of all of his attributes is so high. It's so his his lower level of performance as well is so high. There's he's just no there's not bad performance. He might not produce 10 out of 10 performances, but I can't remember him playing less than a seven. And he doesn't have weaknesses in his game. That's the thing. There might not be the greatest outstanding strengths in the world. But there's, I can't see too many weaknesses in this game. Yeah, adding to that, he's a full all-rounder, pace, power, athleticism, uh, built like a brick shit house as well. The ball is attracted to his te- his chest like a like a magnet. Um, I appeared on the Elm Park Royals podcast, and they 
they, they highlighted Carlton Morris as the, the danger man before the, the Reading game. And I, I just remembered back and gave a play-by-play of that goal that he scored against us for Barnsley, um, where he skinned Cal Naismith, sat Gabby Osho down, and then lifted it over James Shea or whatever goalkeeper we had in, in the goal at that point in the season because everyone was was always getting injured. But yeah, what what a signing. If we spent two million on him, he's worth every penny. Unbelievable. There's nothing he cannot do. And I think that's 100% fair to say. The second goal, Corley Woodrow getting on the score sheet, uh, missing the penalty originally and following up to score. Um, we, we mentioned it at the top of the show, we are now officially... Within the playoffs, we can, of course, finish second still, but that's very, very unlikely after the, the latest round of results. But it scares me that we're still missing penalties. Uh, yeah. is, it, is it true that it's... we haven't scored a penalty all season in the league? Is that... Ooh. Ooh, I... I don't know. Steve, yeah, do you have any insight there? I can't remember us scoring one, certainly. <laughs> and we've had a... We've had... But this one, we've had a lot more than Bristol City did when they went on that run of like 2,000 days without even getting one. We've had quite a few... We not as many as I think we've had against us, but that way. But we have missed quite a few, and there's been a variety of takers who have missed now, which isn't great. Nah, I just don't. Good. I just don't trust that any of our players. It's not as bad as that scene in long league when we got for about seven different players who all missed them, ended up having George Pilkington taken by the end of the season. <laughs> but it's getting that way. And the other issue I have is that Ethan Horvath does not look confident at saving them at the other end either. So we're going to have no, to do not it. At all. Not at all. I thought Americans were meant to be good at saving penalties. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't bode well for, for the playoffs. It's confirming our, our well, pretty much confirming that we will be in the playoffs. Um, yeah, but let's hope it doesn't get dragged <laughs> down to penalties because I, I feel like I've had my fair share of, of penalty shootouts and I'm still I'm still 24. I don't think I deserve any more penalty shootouts to, to with Luton. It's um, especially and England as well. And England, there's there's been too many in, in my lifetime so far, and I'm not I'm not prepared for penalties again. I think it's mm. fair to say. Well, oh, penalty they're the rubbish to sit through. I mean, they're they're very entertaining when you're when you're neutral, but sitting through them when it's your team taking them, no, it's it's too much. It's just too much for the old heart summed it up perfectly. And and the last point in regards to this Rotherham game was that Sonny Bradley returned, impressed, made the team of the week. Um, he, he was deployed in the middle of the back three with Lockyer on the left, which was quite interesting to see. And it was Rhys Burke on the right before, um, obviously, suffering yet another injury. Bradley's back, put in a very solid performance. And that, that again, just bodes well for the rest of the season, knowing that we've got that we will have good levels of competition for places. Yeah, I think it's um, personal circumstances that have kept him from team selection. From what I've I've heard people mentioning on Instagram, his his son wasn't very well, um, as well as you know his own personal you know fitness issues after coming back from that horrendous you know the horrendous landing against Reading. Um, it's great to have him back. You you can see 
he slots in quite nicely there, especially now that we're we're back down to bare bones at the back. Um, I think he works very well in in the middle of the three. It's a shame that Lockyer has to be sacrificed to make way for for Bradley, but at the same time, I think Locks does you know just as good a job on on the left or the right. Although against Rotherham, I did I think I might have mentioned it in the group chat with Locks being on the left of the back three, it did leave our attacks looking quite asymmetrical because Locks didn't offer the same underlapping penetration that, that Amari Bell did um, when he played left centre-back. But I'm, I'm delighted, absolutely delighted that Sonny Bradley is back. And, you know, he's had, he had a developmental 90 uh, minutes under his belt and then he had another 90 against Rotherham. He had, he had the full 90 yesterday as well, didn't he? So that's great. That's great. He, he's, he's exactly the type of player that you want back um, at this at this point of the season. Perfect timing. 100%. I'd agree. Certainly if you were looking at a situation where hopefully we might be a goal up with caught an hour left of the second leg, 10 minutes left of the second leg, He's exactly the sort of guy you'd want to bring on because teams would be throwing up, throwing center arse forward and throwing six foot five options up front for the last 10 minutes and throwing the ball in the box. And he's perfect for that type of situation. I agree with Ollie actually that as much as I think Lots can play on the wider side, I'm much more comfortable just having a left footer on the left hand side. And we know Brady's not particularly comfortable on the left hand side of the three, unfortunately. So he has to play in the middle. And, yeah, Locks playing off his right foot left centre-half gave me, as a Welshman, bad memories of the European Championship semi-final when we were missing Ben Davis a long time ago. But, yeah, having him back as an option, and we'll probably come to some of the issues we might have when we move on to the Reading game, but having him back as an option for particularly to bring on as a sub in a, the ball is going in the box, we need someone to, Head the living daylights out of everything. He's the perfect guy to have to come back in. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We'll move on to the Reading game now. Um, of course, finished one all, full of incidences that um, I'm sure we'll get our teeth stuck into, but, but taking it to the very start, scrappy game, uh, scrappy sort of first 15 minutes, but I think... The final 30 minutes of the first half, we gave a very good account of ourselves, dominated the ball, movement was good, um, just slightly struggled to to 
pave ourselves a way through that that sort of tight Reading defence. You know, they're in survival mode and that was very, very evident from the onset. But the scoring, much to the the much against the run of the play, was opened by Andy Carroll. Um didn't get the luxury to check if he handled that one, but um it was very, very clear that the second one that, that happened maybe five minutes after uh, was handball and, and subsequently he was sent off for a second yellow card. It was just a bizarre minute for me because I just did not know what was going on. Um, players were, were running over to the linesman, players were running over to the referee, Andy Carroll was off celebrating. I, I just couldn't make out what was happening. Um, but fortunately enough, it was ruled out. Carroll was sent his marching orders and it gave us somewhat of an advantage moving on. Yeah, he was trying to cheat and con the ref there. Um, and well, I, I actually only watched the second half from where Carroll um, uh, scored that second goal because it was my anniversary dinner last night. Although I did have iFollow on my phone um, on the table while I was, you know, while I was out for dinner. So I saw Doughty hit the post, which was a close one. Um, I saw Carroll had a great chance in like the first minute or so of the game. But other than that, yeah, I think I sent the video around this morning to in our groups. Um, he goes off celebrating. He thinks he's conned the ref. And my, my grievance there is the ref awarded the goal because you could see him indicating to the halfway line, you know, um, you know, saying that, yeah, it's a goal awarded. And if we hadn't, if every single player hadn't charged the ref and essentially said to him, how did you not see that? Because he just supermanned it into the goal. Um, it would have been given and we would have been two down and then Reading would have got the win and it, it would have been unfair. And it, a decision going against us like that at this stage of the season, it could, it could get us to lose our momentum. And right now, we're all about momentum. We need to keep that momentum. Like, you know, we didn't win last night, but a draw is good. Well, you say, yeah. yeah. I'd have to agree. I, I was watching it on Sky, and to be fair, I didn't see it live. It was only replay. And obviously, they don't really show replays. It was only, obviously, we were actually, we got me brother to get Sky Sports News up on the phone. So they actually, so we actually saw it. We, we actually saw what actually happened. And, yeah, it was a, it, it was a carbon copy of the first goal. The first goal, he makes a great run across the near post because Andy Carroll's got that ability. He knows where to make runs. And Locke's trying to track him, runs into actually a Reading and a Luton player having their own ding-dong battle between them, which is what gets Carroll three for the first goal. And it's a terrific header. And obviously the second one, he realises he he's not going to get there with his head and makes an instantaneous decision to try and punch it in the net, which he actually does really well, to be fair to him. And like you say, the linesman definitely didn't flag. Seeing the, the footage again this morning, the linesman definitely didn't flag to say there was an issue. The ref definitely gave the goal. Speaking as a former referee, I can tell from body language and what decisions are usually being made. And he definitely gave the goal. So I'm not sure how he came to the decision, although grateful that we that he did to give the second yellow card and sending, cop, sending off and 
have to say, while I agree with Ollie in the sense that our momentum is key, I do worry that if we do manage to go unbeaten until the end of the season, that's what, 15 unbeaten? Suddenly we then look at having to go 18 unbeaten. As well, a part of me, you'd rather lose a game before the end of the season. <laughs> because the idea of having to go eight and games unbeaten hit championship level seems crazy for me. No, the mind boggles, doesn't it? <laughs> can, you, can you imagine? Like, I, I have to pinch myself that we're we're eleven unbeaten at the moment. It's absolutely mad. Wow, <laughs> unheard of in the second tier for for Luton Town. Is yeah, well, not not since nineteen eighty two. But that that team was phenomenal. Yeah, nineteen eighty two, and we had Brian Steen, Ricky Hill, a load of other people that I'm popping up on the. Uh, Random hatter of the day on the Oak Road hat hat to Twitter. Yeah, a lot of players I haven't heard of there. <laughs> well, there's, a, there's actually a lot of similarities between the way that side developed and I suppose the way this side developed, with the only difference really being that we've had multiple managers over that period. In that David Preet's side at leading up to that point, he's talked about that on a, another podcast literally last week. They built up and up and up and had two or three goes at trying to get out of that division, losing out to Swansea and losing out to a couple of other teams before 81-82. And immediately, obviously, they went up automatically because the playoffs didn't exist then. Uh, That was an absolutely exceptional team that had been built over a period of years. And we have progressed consistently over a period of, what, a decade now? (laughs) Yeah, it's been been amazing, the, the progression. And I believe... Uh, as Oak Road Hatter, we put out a little graph a couple of weeks back showing the progression, which is now out of date because the last point was showing us fourth in the championship, whereas we're now third. Um, but I guess we can update that for the for the end of the season to reflect on a whole decade of progression at the end of the seasons. Um, no, it's amazing that you know, Steve, you mentioned the the parallels between the the pleat side and the current side. Um, the, the most striking thing, though, is is the difference in the football scape now, because obviously there is so much more money and money dropping out of the top division now, whether it's squandered like Watford or well-invested like Burnley, there's still money. And what we have done on our shoestring of a budget has been tremendous. And I, I love being a hatter right now. Tremendous. Squandered and laundered. Yeah, yeah. Right there. I think that's yeah, that's the motto of it all. Going back to this Reading game, and of course, we've had our difficulties in, in breaking down a, a solid enough Reading defence. Uh, of course, once and Carroll sent off, they they dropped even further back, which I didn't know was possible given their their sort of starting position, but they did. It made it difficult to sort of break lines, um, forced us to be that little bit more direct, but we still moved the ball around. Um, eventually getting our goal, Colton Morris on hand for the 19th goal of the season. Scrappy, scrappy as anything, but the, the sort of just reward for, for the amount of pressure we were applying. It was comical, wasn't it? Because Elijah obviously went up challenging Lumley, won the, won the header, which is incredible. Like, when Elijah came on, you, you just get that 
I think, as Steve mentioned earlier, you get that that presence, uh, throwing everyone forward type thing, you know, without needing to chuck Sonny Bradley up there. But that header was fantastic. Lumley, I, d- I don't know what Lumley was doing. It was like something out of Looney Tunes. He was just twirling around looking for the ball. And then, and then Colson Morris does well to bundle it in. It fantastic. Well, let's be honest. I was going to say, let's be honest. Anyone that knows anything about the championship knows that Joe Gunley is a liability anyway. He's oh, yeah, he's shocking. shocking. He's quite possibly the worst starting goalkeeper in the in the entire division. And it's probably not even close. <laughs> he did have a, a terrible, terrible end to last season, didn't he, for Middlesbrough? He I think. cost Middlesbrough the the comp, yeah, I see in the compilation yeah. of, of goals that he <laughs> gave to opposition. But then he did start the season okay. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, he hasn't really played out too well for him the, the rest of the season. But but now we'll go on to the free polls. And some some good ones in here. First of all, in, in spirit of reaching at least the playoffs, we, we looked at the teams that people wanted to face. Um, we put out Millwall, Blackburn and West Brom as the, as the three that we could. And we also put out other for, for people to comment. We had 19% at Millwall. We had 59% at Blackburn. We had 16% at West Brom and 6% other. There was a, a shout for Coventry within that. But um, ultimately, looking at that, it seems the, the Luton fan base want to play Blackburn. Um we, we get to play Blackburn in a couple, well, not even a couple of weeks' time, in about 10 days now, nine days actually. But what, what do you make of that, Ollie? Do you agree that, that Blackpool, uh, Blackburn, sorry, are the, the most appealing um, from that list that, that you would want to play against? 100%. Um, I don't know how they're still in the playoffs. They are really bad. The football isn't great. They are comfortably one of the worst teams I've seen at Kenilworth Road this season as well. Um, but they seem to be getting their points from somewhere. It's like one of those footballing conspiracies. Um, um, like no, no one's ever seen them win a game, but they, they seem to be winning them somewhere. Um, I, I'd, I'd take them, but I, I'd, don't think they will be in the playoffs. I think that they will just drop out because the chasing pack is really gathering momentum now. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd take them. Bold, Last, bold I, comments. I do not want Millwall. Bold, bold <laughs> comments there for you, Ollie, saying they are a bad side. Um, I do understand why people went for for Blackburn, but no, I. I I have to disagree. I do think they do a fair few bits right. But no, I do agree with the fact that they were rubbish at Kenworth Road, but I have seen them a few times and they have impressed me enough to sort of justify them being in the hunt for a playoff spot. Um, what about you, Steve? Were you agree with the poll that, that Blackburn are the team you want to play or is there any I other mean, team? I mean, if we ignore the other and I suppose... Unless you're going to say a lot of teams start falling over each other, maybe Sunderland get in. I think you can probably just count other now. Uh, out of the names on that list, I'd say Blackburn, but I'd just purely say because I prefer Blackburn to the other two. Uh, Millwall, as Ollie said, they both games very evenly matched. Obviously, we have our question marks about 
the two goals they scored at our place, but one from obviously our even more of us mistake, and the other obviously from a catalogue of officiating errors. Uh, but they're going to—we're two very similar sides playing two, a very similar way, and they're going to be very attritional games. Certainly, the one at their place was horrifically attritional. Uh, and West Brom do worry me. I think I think we are either the third or fourth best team in this division, with Middlesbrough being the other one. But West Brom were nowhere near as bad under Bruce as the results told. You could see their underlying numbers were absolutely fine. They weren't awful when we were when we went to the Hawthorns. And since Corbyn's come in, who obviously already has our number in the playoffs, albeit that we completely outplayed them in that second leg last year. Uh they absolute they have improved to the extent that they were probably the best team at Kenilworth Road all season. How we were tuning yeah, up they were phenomenal. I couldn't believe we were tuning up in this game. I, I, I was I was like, we're tuning up and we've been battered. We're getting absolutely battered. We're tuning up here. And obviously we, they battered for the, they're the only team to have actually fundamentally outplayed us for 90 minutes, I, I would say the entire season. Because I wouldn't even mm-hmm. say the what for 4-0 they act. They absolutely outplayed us. They were probably the bad team in the first half, but not to the degree West Brom were better than us. Not even close. And I do think we do struggle on occasion with a big physical striker, which was proven last night with Andy Carroll. And it is probably grateful, therefore, that DK's done a, a, done a got another serious injury because I'm a massive fan of Dick Darrell DK and I think he's by far their best centre-forward. Yeah, he always scores against us. Always scores. I don't think Brandon Thomas says Andy's a bad backup eh? either for that type of striker. I he was by far the best player when we played for them when we played them at the Hawthorns, as highlighted by the massive amount of booze going around the Hawthorns the minute Steve Bruce took him off. Yeah, Yeah. definitely going to be tough games, regardless. Of course, it's the playoffs. It's the the best four teams outside the top two. It's going to be difficult regardless. But, of course, we will be confident given how we have progressed under Edwards. The second poll of the three was about Jordan Clark. Of course, he came on as a sub yesterday evening. Does Jordan Clark come back into the starting eleven for Monday's clash against Middlesbrough? Reversing the order, I'll come to you first, Steve. Be interesting. I think we do have to think about how we basically get minutes and rest time into the entire squad between now and the end of season without our performances dropping off. I mean, we saw against Reading, Woodrow went off injured. Well, it looked like he went off injured. I I think it was very, very fortunate not to get a very serious injury because it looked like when he hit that shot, his standing leg got clattered. Well, I and I had initially thought it might have broken his leg. So, fingers crossed it's not that bad. The fact he continued on for a little bit suggests it might not have been. And obviously, Lockie went off and went straight down the tunnel yet last night. So, that's not a great sign either. So, we do have to marry up our fitness issues with also getting minutes into the members of the squad. Particularly, it's good to see Freeman back because I think he... As a role player for 10, 15 minutes, buzzing in and around an opposition penalty area, he has got qualities that, outside of maybe Jordan Clark, we don't have anywhere else in the squad. So, Mm -hmm. 
I think well, the, between... goal, the goal last night came from a Luke Freeman cross as well. Yeah, just yeah, Freeman from the outside, yeah, from the outside right position when you wouldn't mm. necessarily think of him as a left footer spending too much time out there. Although he might have been out there because we had a corner just previously, and obviously, I think he's the best set piece taker in the entire squad now. James Boyd's gone as well. Although, doubt his free kick might have something to say about that. But yeah, we definitely need the important thing is to make sure kickers fit to play 90 minutes in the first leg. And we need to do whatever we can to ensure that's the case, really. Mm-hmm. And Ollie, what about you? Are you in the camp that, that Jordan Clark should come back into the starting eleven? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd love him to be able to play every 90 minutes, but <clears throat> I'm with I'm with Steve. Steve, like, to be honest, I, I, I had my opinion, but Steve's just converted me in the last two minutes. Um, it is a fine balance. As, as Steve said, between minutes, freshen up, you know, keep keeping momentum going as well, and also preventing injuries. Um, so perhaps Jordan Clark comes in for like sixty minutes, and you work him up that way. I just, I just love watching Jordan Clark play. Um, so I, I, I'd be like, yes, let let's just stick him in. Stick him in the starting lineup, regardless of whether he's ready to play a full ninety. Um, yeah, he's a little magician, especially the last game against Borough as well. Yeah. Oh my God, I was going to mention yeah, that. What a goal! Yeah, it's a difficult one. This because for me, it's a toss-up whether he'd come in for for Campbell or not. Um, Campbell, of course, I think he's he's done well in in Clark's absence. Um, but I've spoken about it before. I think there's games that Campbell's more suited to and against a team that likes to keep possession, um, team that, that progresses through the thirds. Well, I think Campbell's the, the kind of player that should be starting. That's where I'm at a little bit of a crossroads because I don't know whether, as, you, as you've both mentioned there, do, do you start building Jordan Clark up from the start again or, or do you try and continue this momentum and, and playing Campbell in a game where he's probably better suited to than than a game like Reading where you know we're, we're needing players to unlock defences with, with clever passes and, and playing through the thirds um, it's a difficult one it is a difficult one I'm surprised the, the answer to this poll was as one-sided as, as it was um, 82% going for yes that, that Clark should start and 18% at, at no um, of course Jordan Clark's been absolutely fantastic this season and I think going into the playoffs, I would like to see him in the starting eleven. But yeah, I, I'll be on the side of no for this. I, I'd like to see Campbell get another start and then then build Jordan Clark back into it for the, the remaining couple of games after that. Then the last one here, which was even more of a majority vote, um, will Colton Morris reach twenty championship goals before the season finishes, excluding the playoffs? He's on 19 at the moment. He's got three games to make the the 20 goal mark. Ollie, is he going to do it? Well, yeah. Well, he's on he's on 19 goals this season, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I can see him getting 21, maybe 22. You know, I, I see him get bagging a brace before the end of the season. We, we should just rename this the Colton Morris Appreciation Podcast, shouldn't we? <laughs> Yeah, I reckon so. Easy, easy peasy. And what about you, Steve? 
Yeah, well, the only reason I can't can't see it is if he if we rest him to such a degree he plays less than 180 minutes out the last three games, and I can't see that because I don't think that'd be entirely sensible. If he plays two sets worth of 90 minutes, I'd be I wouldn't I can't see him not scoring one the way he's playing right now. So he's definitely getting there. Yeah, you would like to think it's going to be interesting to see if he does it. Um, be a very, very good return. We were speaking earlier about £2 million invested in him, our, our record signing. Worth every penny at the moment and more, it has to be said. We'll go on to the Middlesbrough preview part of today's episode. Um, it's been a real battle between us and Middlesbrough in recent weeks, um, third and fourth place. It doesn't matter too much about who gets third and fourth. It, it ensures that you play the home tie of the playoff semi-final second, which is, is massive in the context of everything. But they've been a very, very good side under Michael Carrick, play a positive brand of attacking football. Um, a few young players uh, really, really thrived under his stewardship. You've seen Ramsey, um, Cameron Archer's been fantastic, Ryan Giles. Tuba, Tuba Akpom, 28 goals. in the young column, but he hasn't. Yeah, of course, Tuba Akpom has been very, very good. 28 goals from <laughs> predominantly in an attacking midfield role. Um, lunacy. He's it, yeah. incredible. I think he might also be Middlesbrough's first 20 goal we've seen a striker in my lifetime, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, he is. Just that I, <laughs> I, remember, I remember seeing something in the uh, Borough fans going on about this back a couple of years ago and a 20 goal a season striker in 31 years. So that'd be 33 at least. So it might be just it might be just after I was born. But yeah, it's an incredible stat. And it also shows how, how difficult it is to score 20 goals at any level, which going back to Carlton Morris. Terrific achievement if he does get one more in the next three games. Teams have been promoted even from this level that haven't had a 20 goal a season striker. So it's an incredible achievement. And we, in some regards, have been spoiled with them. Obviously, we've had a few in non league and obviously Steve Howard as well. So we've been a little bit spoiled compared to some teams, mm-hmm. but yeah, getting 20 goals is a crazy achievement. But the array of attacking talent, as you both hinted at there, Middlesbrough have got, when you've got Akpom playing where he plays, but you've got Archer, Force, Ramsey breaking from midfield, Crook sometimes plays up front as well, and Ryan McGregor yeah. gets a lot of goals from midfield too. Yeah. As yeah. you say, an array of attacking talent evidenced by the fact that they just cannot stop scoring at the moment. Um, went one nil down yesterday to Hull, replied very quickly to score to score three goals. Um, before that, they they hit Norwich, I think it was for five. It's been a very very good appointment, Michael Carrick, and um, amount of goal the sheer amount of goals they're scoring is very very impressive. So it'll be interesting to see how they fare up against the. Luton sides who have defensively been very, very solid um, since Rob Edwards has taken over. Going on to their away record, um, because, of course, at home they've been very, very dominant. 2.05 points per game at the Riverside, but looking at their away form, it's 1.38 points per game away from home. They've only managed six points from 10 away games against the top 12. 
I think that's positive reading for, for Luton going into this, that they haven't been as dominant on the road, um, especially when you, you consider Luton have been pretty decent at home. I think still averaging above two points per game at home since Rob Edwards taken over. Um, that's probably a, a big factor in this, you, you would imagine. Yeah, well, well just to, on the back of that, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're the world's greatest set-piece threat. Cue them scoring for the set-piece next Monday. But on a serious note, they are such a fluid attack inside. That probably lends itself to maybe not being as good away from home as the three sides above them. Obviously, and that's probably why they may end up fourth. Okay, so they can or I'll play some win. They probably do end up third. But it is going to be how well, and how, depending on how much if we can be as a back three, how well we deal with them in open play. It's the biggest test of our open play defensive credentials we've had all season. I would say it's bigger than even playing Burnley and Sheffield United defensively. Yeah. But obviously, yeah. half the time, the game at Burnley, particularly, we were probably quite lucky to get them on early in the season as we did at their place. Obviously, our place, we dealt with them quite well. And then, obviously, in playing away at Middlesbrough was Rob Edwards' first game. So, it was a bit too early to tell with us, really. But this is the biggest... Or it would be if it weren't for the fact both sides are pretty much set in the playoffs. Ollie. Is this a dress rehearsal for the playoff final? 100% it is. Um, I, I, might, I might leak my, my score prediction now because I think with both teams being set for the playoffs and it, it's sort of going to be like two boxes circling around each other, not really, you know, just sort of sizing each other out, just checking out their reach. I think an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. I reckon... <laughs> this could be a really hard to watch nil-nil draw. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely. What about you, Steve? Are you going for the goal fest that Ollie predicted, or or do you have something else in mind? No, I kind of agree with Ollie in the sense that is a there's not an awful lot on this game. Let's be entirely honest. I'm not sure how much rotation is going to happen with both sides. I'm not. In, I'm not. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Carrick try a few things because he's been trying things and playing people in weird positions all, all season. It's come off pretty much every time. But just to be different, I'll probably go 1-1 rather than 0-0. Shit. I have to give something different. Um, I, I wanted 0-0. I wanted 1-0. Um, okay, I'll be, I'll be the optimistic one here. I'm going to go for, for a 1-0 win. Um, not pretty. Not pretty at all, but I'm going to go for a one-nil Luton win. Um, yeah, strengthen our place in that that third position. Um, that'd be my prediction for Monday. Well, that is a big thank you for me to tell you for joining. A big thank you to everybody else that has listened today. Of course, check us out on socials. We are at Oak Road Hatter on Twitter. We are Oak Road Hatter Pod on Instagram. YouTube, we're Oak Road Hatter. Until next time, it is goodbye from us.
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.